Well, I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Mike from Rathcrohan. Mike, can you hear me? I can, of course. Nice to talk to you. Absolutely. Good morning. I hope you're keeping well. Very well. Thanks a million. How are you keeping yourself? Good now, thank God. So tell us, for anyone listening that might not be aware of Samhain and the connection that it has to Ireland, what, what is the history of Samhain? Yeah, there's a massive history there, Kieran, very much associated actually with County Roscommon here. So in early Ireland, when you had a, um, a country largely dependent on farming and, a, as I say, a much more smaller rural scattered farming population, Samhain is the original Irish winter festival and it falls, as we know, at this time of the year has evolved into modern-day Halloween. So it would be a time, I suppose, for people who are about to face, as I say, a population of very hard three or four hard winter months ahead, the last chance to celebrate the harvest and, if you like, to prepare for winter. And, and I suppose have a feast and a celebration before facing into the long winter ahead and to prepare yourself for it. Now, very interestingly, I suppose, traditionally, because Samhain is the night that borders with summer and winter, that's the night traditionally when the borders between this world and the other world were open and so there was a lot of passage if you like between these two dimensions at that time of the year you know so and as we know a lot of those customs stories and traditions have evolved into the modern day festival of halloween which every country in the world seems to have a version of now it really has exploded at a degree in the last in the last generation or two no, absolutely. It's become huge, I suppose, in the States as well, in America. It's oh, so commercialised over there, isn't it? Well, it's true it's commercialised as well, but I suppose it would have been, it would have come, I suppose, with people coming from, you know, uh, emigrating from Ireland and Scotland would have brought those, uh, would have brought those traditions with them as well. And in a way, I suppose, it has been commercialised, so there's that side of it. But it's also, I suppose, it, it, it's helped to keep it alive and to, if you like, to kind of, to, to bring a, a, an interest of a new generation into it. And, you know, often on our own tours, when we'll be talking out, we'll be talking to people a lot of people, even even Irish people now are beginning to say yeah. that they prefer they, they prefer this time of the year even to Christmas, if you can believe well, that in Ireland. No, absolutely. That, that, that something yeah. would overtake it, you know. Well, this is the thing I find even with the, the flower side of things, like the door wreaths, like, you know, for Halloween, I suppose Christmas, you would always be associated, I suppose, with the door wreaths, but autumn now and Halloween has taken yeah. off bigger with them. So, so people so are more keen. I agree with you completely. It's kind of come full circle, isn't it, you know? So, and, and then what that does as well is it brings people back yeah. Like um, it brings people back to the origins of it, and as I say, they're particularly associated um, with us here in Roscommon and in Rathcrohan because I was talking to you a little bit about this other world. As I say, that's the night when yeah. it, uh, it comes very close on the night of Samhain. But this other world is a very uniquely Irish dimension here because it's not an underworld. You don't always have to die in order to get into it. So, so it's okay. a parallel dimension that surrounds us all about. There's various ways to get in there. So sometimes you can sail far off over the sea to the west, and that's where we know Washington goes to Tiernanog. So Tiernanog in this other world, everyone in Ireland knows Tiernanog. They're one and the same. Sometimes it's deep down beneath the earth, and so that's why areas like wells and bogs would have been seen as an area of access. And then, of course, particularly caves. And we've got a very famous cave here. Um, this is like the Cave of Cats, uh, isn't it? Cave of the Cats. Oof Nagat. Fabulous. Exactly so. And uh, Oi Nagat is its modern-day anglicised name. And in our early medieval literary uh, text recorded for us by the monks, this Oof Nagat is recorded as Arden's direct entrance into this other world. And so it's on that night, on the night of Samhain, from out of that cave, that all sorts of creatures um, of the other world come out to devastate the land and make it ready for winter. So they talk about on that night a flock of birds of the other world. Their breath is so rotten it caused all the leaves and berries to rot and fall down off the trees. Uh, magical wild boar, triple-headed monsters, female werewolves. They all come tearing out of that otherworldly entrance here at Old <laughs> and Rathcrohan so that nothing will grow again until the wow. following spring. 
and it's an interesting reason people used to dress and disguise themselves as, uh, and the night of Samhain is that if they were seen by one of these creatures they wouldn't be recognised and taken back down through the cave and into the other world so uh, isn't it a fabulous really that a tradition if you like of dressing yourself as something otherworldly or scary mm. or at Halloween comes back not only to our Irish winter festival of Samhain but particularly to some of the stories and customs associated with us here in Crook and in Rathcrohan and Rathcommon. So if you like, uh, if you go back far enough, here everything has an origin point, and they're usually gone by the natural passage of time and place. But we're lucky, if you like, that something that, that began here, an idea, has gone out and taken hold right across the world, and we, we, we hear an echo or we feel an echo of it, if you like, every sound night as well. And we, it's something we can be very, very proud of and something very unique for us here in Rathcommon as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And I remember seeing them, the cave of cats out there, and it's it's amazing how you can step right in and go right down. I was just fascinated by it over there. I remember reading somewhere recently, I was just going to check it with you, see if it's mm. true, where the, the concept of werewolf originated in Ireland. Did I hear that right somewhere? I don't know if you, if you, if you could talk about like that, that, that it originated directly here, because there's versions of, uh, if you like, of that kind of right across the, uh, the continent of Europe. But there's a mention, uh, which is uh, an unusual... Uh, an unusual mention of three female werewolves, if you like, they had shapeshifters oh, okay. that come out of that cave on Samhain night as well. So isn't that a, isn't that a, and I mean, I, I saw once a, a wow. discussion online, a large discussion going on uh, between <laughs> some folklorists about uh, any, any, any mention of any female werewolves, none of them could come up or go with it. Now, I didn't see much <laughs> for social media, but I was, I was compelled, I was compelled to join in that conversation and say, actually, if you want to know about female werewolves, uh, you only have to come to Roscommon <laughs> to, find, to find out where they came from. So, so as I say, some, some very fierce, if you like, uh, some very fierce and powerful women associated with this landscape. And that cave as well, actually, is, is uh, recorded in our medieval text as the dwelling place of the most ferocious of all the Irish gods and goddesses, and that's the Irish goddess of war, who's the figure referred to as Morrigan. So more in Irish, as you know, is big or great, a Rhea king, or a a queen. So Morrigan, which is a great queen or a phantom queen, that cave of Crookan there is recorded as her dwelling place where she guards the entrance to the other world and makes her way between the two realms as well. So, wow. And she was a, a sworn enemy of Cú Cullen, actually, and, so, uh, and she was actually present as the death because she was often, uh, often associated with the, the form of the crow, actually, as well. And if, you, if you're ever up in Dublin, uh, see the statue of the GPO of Cú Cullen um, at his death as well, you see the morrigan in the form of the crow perched down upon his shoulder as well. So, but th- that's our home there, the, qua- the, cave of, uh, the cave of the cat out here at Rathcrohan. So if you, next time you're in Dublin, even going up O'Connell Street, you can look into the window of the GPO, you'll see her perched there on the shoulders of the, of the dead crew column. So another uh, link, if you like, there. Jeez, that's amazing. Oh, I have to say, it's fantastic. I got to go out there and be on the tour, and I thought it was amazing. And mm. I suppose Queen Maeve as well. Will Queen Maeve be making an appearance <laughs> this this Samhain? Samhain is a, well, Queen Maeve always makes an appearance here, if you like. So to say, this, is, this is her entire landscape around as well. And at Samhain then as well, I suppose, we particularly we'd have a... Uh, we'd be very popular for events. Now, we do run an Origins of Samhain tour. This year, it's actually, and thanks be to God, it's completely booked up here. They've become, as, they, as mentioned in the last few years, extremely popular as well. But if people did wish to visit us here at the visitor centre as well, um, our museum rooms are open all the time around the time of Samhain. So if people wanted to go in, even into there, and as I say, there's some models of the cave and the AV presentations, reconstruction, uh, drawings, all sorts of things that people could come in and learn a little bit about Samhain as well through our museum rooms and maybe if they enjoyed it maybe come back at another time of the year maybe even book in early for next year if you like to get to, to get in on our Samhain events as well so as I say they're very very popular 
and thanks be to God after the last couple of years that we've had that um, we were able to hold them again as well we're delighted well, this is it, but I've, I hear amazing reviews. And I've just got a question in there from Yvonne listening in there in Crohan, actually. Mm. And she's wondering um, that what she's asking, like, what rituals would have taken place, we'll say, back then in Rath Crohan around the time of Samhain? Well, as I say, this area here, before you had any urban centres in Ireland, this area of Rathbahan, it's described as the, the royal site of Connacht as well. And it would have been a place, as I say, before you have any towns or roads or villages or cities where people would have gathered up together. So it would have been a place of mass assembly. And so the Irish word for them, actually, these mass assemblies was Ainagi, which is still the Irish word for a fair today. So I suppose it would have been like a place of gathering, if you think of something down, that happens down at Ballinasloe as well, like a massive gathering, a fair day wow. here when the population would have gathered up together. And because they're farming population, those seasonal times of the year, so when people would have come here, as I say, at um, those particular times, spring, summer, harvest or salmon, and they would have gathered together and they would have celebrated. You would have had horse racing, music, hunting. These areas are referred to as the royal sites because these mass assemblies were particularly associated with the crowning and the inauguration of kings as well. So if a king had to be crowned, it would have been done at a time of, uh, at a time of mass assembly here in a landscape like Rathcrohan as well. But also we have to remember in early, very early Ireland as well, and a lot of it is prehistory for us. When we're talking back into the times and the settings of these tales of Cú Cullen and Queen Maeve and the Morrigan, that they're set 2,000 years ago in the Iron Age. We've no written history from that time, here. So we only begin to get written history in Ireland in the 5th century with the coming of Christianity that brought along the Latin alphabet and the first attempts to put the Irish language down into writing as well. And so before that time, prehistory for us is a little bit more mysterious we know people had massive amount of beliefs because we mm. find all these ceremonial monuments dotted yeah. around but we have to be very careful I suppose to, to we can speculate if you like and speculate, we can elucidate yeah. maybe uh, some of the things they would have believed there certainly would have been mass celebrations of those times and very interestingly in fact the earliest form of Irish writing Oam which I'm sure a lot of your uh, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar yeah. with uh, the two Oam stones as you, if you remember from your tour placed down at the entrance to that uh, that cave for going to Gant as well and one of them the one over the entrance actually bears the name of Maeve herself so it's the earliest written reference we have to her upon the island of Ireland so uh, quite a unique uh, quite a unique monument that well this is it exactly as I remember um, Daniel brought me out on the tour anyway and we were looking around you can see Crow Patrick that's right on a very fine day what a unique thing looking directly out west and as I say I'm a male man so it's a very comforting thing <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you're a Cree law if you're directly in the centre of us common to be able to look out and see County Mayo but and it, isn't it, and with the wonderful weather actually we had especially in um, early to late September now uh, sometimes here a year would go by we'd never get a look at it but there was about yeah. two weeks there where we really saw if you like where we, we could get a wonderful view of it every single day and it, it, it's, a, it's an amazing sight to see isn't it as I say and so, as I say, the view on top of Rathbahan, even though it's only 150 metres up above sea level, you can you remember it yourself. And when you mm. anyone who'd like to go out and stand up on there, as I say, that's a publicly owned land that's under the protection of the OPW, but out of the car park uh, just along the Westport Road from Tulsk as well, anyone wants to go out on a good, clear, fine day and stand up there on top of Rathbahan, they're very welcome to. And as you say, you can see right the way around you. There's very, very little to get in your way, especially when it's the day you can see all the way over to the Atlantic coast into County Mayo. Well, I thought it was absolutely amazing. I was lucky as well. The weather was fantastic that day. Yeah. And it was and it's phenomenal just, the, I suppose, that feeling and, and how they knew where to place things. And, and like, um, I think he, I remember Daniel saying as well, the land around there in particular is very special. 
That's right as well. I mean, with this whole landscape, they refer to, again, in our medieval texts, as the Makara Connacht, the plains of Connacht as well. So this is huge, fertile limestone plain here as well. So as I say, for our every appliance we have here in uh, the visitor centre in Tusk is ruined with lime. For so for your washing machine and your kettle, it's a disaster. But if you like, for good grassland, farmland and cattle rearing land, as I say, this is some of the best in the entire country. And that's why I suppose um, all our epic literature in Ireland, we mentioned, you mentioned Queen Maeve and the cattle raid of Cooley, these pawn cattle raiding tales as well. In early Ireland, cattle were the currency. Your food was your wealth and your power. People were immediately dependent on their immediate environment for their survival as well. So good farmland is some of them. This is some of the very best of it here in Roscommon as well. Good farmland was essential to your survival. And that's why we get the very first settled farmers in the Neolithic and the New Stone Age five and a half thousand, six thousand years ago when settled history begins in Ireland that's why you get people on this landscape here in Crookan or Rathbrahan since that time and they've never gone away ever since here as I say it's been in constant use since then and we'd argue strongly still, we, we still haven't gone away, we're still here so we're still using it up to today Well that's exactly it and I suppose you've a lovely um, store as well in there people can purchase books as well, I saw that the last yeah. day as well and I was um, recommended two fantastic books and I have to say they were brilliant um, I've been reading recently all about the customs and the rituals and things like that as well what are the opening hours as well for people maybe they want to go in have a coffee and book a tour like how can they um, how can they purchase there's yeah. loads of options there Kira. so we're open at this time of the year we're open uh, from Monday to Saturday we open at 9.15 um, our cafe our, would close at 4 o'clock our last entrance into the museum is half past 4 as well so you've got all day long as I say now that can be booked online but you can also just turn up here and go straight into our museum at any time. They're accessible for everyone as well. Our side tours at this time of the year, they run from Monday to Friday, um, uh, every day at midday, weather permitting and circumstances permitting as well. And those also, as I say, they can be they can be booked online directly through our website. It'll show you the availabilities. It'll also show you on our website, and as I say, we've got a brand new state-of-the-art website. And so um, it'll show you there. We have some video presentations and lots of detail to show you what we do here and what to expect over the course of a site tour, a museum visit. And um, it's all on there as well. As you mentioned, we've got a bookshop. We also have a, and we would be the, as I said, we'd be very proud to be the source for uh, lots of the local history uh, and archaeology publications and a lot of our own merchandise as well pertaining to Rathcotton. And we also have an online shop here as well. So for people who wouldn't be in the immediate vicinity, um, all of these things are available up in our online shop there as well. And even if people want to go in and get a look and see and see what we have available as well. So it's www.rathcotton.ie as well. And as I say, we've lovely, uh, we've got a virtual tour as well up there. So if people who wanted uh, maybe to have a, a virtual look down into the cave, they can hop up onto our website there and take themselves right down, especially at this time of the year, at this cold time of the year from the comfort of their own home. So we'd really recommend people get on, go have a look at our website, www.rathcotton.ie. It can tell you everything you need to know. And anyone else who would like to know anything extra, they can contact us here at the visitor centre. So it's 0719639268 or they can email us info at rathcotton.ie so we're here we're, we're delighted as I say to share any information we can or help people out if, if, they, if they don't get anything they need off the website we're the backup for that well guys you heard the details and I would highly 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 recommend take the tour I have to say I think it was one of the and I'm not just saying it, it was one of the best historic tours of, of a site I've ever been on you're all so enthusiastic and it's, it's the way you carry across the information you tell the story 
um, it, and it was fantastic. What a beautiful thing to actually go out there and stand on site. It's one thing hearing about them, but when you actually go out and you stand on site, it's that feeling that you get. You really do feel a part of something oh, special. I definitely agree with you, Karen. And I think like these stories and you like this history you mentioned, that's the thing that's built into all of us as well. Sometimes we hear a lot of that when we're quite young, when we're, when we're national school, so it's ingrained in itself. Sometimes you forget little bits and get this mixed up. But when you mention, especially to Irish people, it comes back to them and they kind of go, oh yeah, and they remember. It's, it's familiar, it's part of our DNA, isn't it? And so as you say, to go and stand out on top of Rathcohan, the story of Ireland is underneath you there as well. And I think people feel a real connection to it as well. It's a very special landscape. And as you said, we're very, very privileged to work here and to be able to present it. And to the public as well, we feel we feel a great privilege and a great ownership in that as well for ourselves. So as I say, it's our privilege to be working here. Absolutely, you're very passionate individuals of the wealth of knowledge and information. So thank you so much, Mike, for coming on this morning and telling us all about Samhain. Kira, thanks a million for having us. It's a pleasure. Thank you. And guys, you heard the details. If you want to check out Rathcrohan, do look at their amazing website and do book yourself a tour. Have a fabulous day, Mike. Thank you. Thanks a million, Kira. Great to talk to you. You too. Thanks a million. Mike Take care. Bye. Slangapol. Slangapol.